2: Thank you for listening to Knockin' Doors Down, brought to you by
1: KDD Media Company. Here at Knockin' Doors Down, we share the stories of people who overcome adversity. You know that already, but what you may not know is that our partners at the Carlos Vieira Foundation aim to help people who struggle with their own adversities as well. The Carlos Vieira Foundation helps those in need through their race for autism, race to be drug-free, and race to end the stigma campaigns. You can also choose the Carlos Vieira Foundation as your charitable organization on Amazon Smile to contribute as well. To learn more and support these causes, check out all the info at carlosvierafoundation.org.
2: It's knocking doors down. Jason here with you. I'm Mikey. Carlos Vieira on this episode, and it's uh, my favorite chapter from the book, Mikey, Racing, and how it saved my life. I want to go fast. <laughs> we're also going to be joined by his lovely wife, Asia, which was really great to have her in because I think we're going to get out of that as how important uh, his solid relationship with her And their marriage has Mm -hmm. meant so much to him and his growth and maintaining his sobriety along with his racing and how Asia is such an integral part of the 5150 brand, the Carlos Fierro Foundation. Uh, It's been amazing support for knocking doors down on the podcast Mm -hmm. and KDD Media Company. So that's one of the big takeaways that I got out of this episode that I think should be insightful for people. What about yourself?
3: What I got from it was, well, I got a lot from it, but one of the main things was is don't fucking quit. Don't stop, don't give up, you'll hear it yourself, but I mean, you can go through the gnarliest of times, but just keep pushing, keep pushing, get it. And you will just feel that much more accomplished when you finally achieve it.
2: Yeah. Cause he talks a lot about that in his racing. Cause it mm. didn't go smooth to start no, with no, at no. all. Definitely bumpy. No pun so intended. You, yeah. You'll hear about that in here. So, uh, keep it that way. You know, it's almost that humbling experience. And also I think another important thing is it relates to those that are entering into sobriety or maintaining your sobriety is that sometimes you have to go against the grain of what people that even though they support and love you, they, you might have to find your own path of what helps continually keep you sober and living a purposeful life. And mm-hmm. there's a really great part that comes out of that with this. So definitely some really great insightful stuff it's a fun episode and uh, you know it's like four people just hanging out if you were watching us sitting out by the grill for the barbecue so uh, just a reminder the Carlos Vieira Foundation right now if you go to carlosvieirafoundation.org if you're like Mikey myself and you're a fan of the 5150 energy drink yes sir which uh, production has been halted but you can get them now and all the proceeds benefit the Carlos Vieira Foundation they have been at a discounted price as production stopped on the energy drink so Mm -hmm. Carlos Vieira Foundation Foundation.org. Click the shop link and you can get them that way and uh, have them shipped to you wherever you are. Or if you do live in the Central Valley of California, there are some options for a curbside pickup, a non-contact that uh, you can do as well. So all those details there again at CarlosVieraFoundation.org. Carlos Vieira and the lovely Miss Asia here as well. How are you folks today? What's up people? What's going on? I am good. And uh, of course, uh, you know, Mikey, uh, like we were talking about before concerning Carlos uh, Vieira's book, "Knocking Doors Down," that we were right. going to discuss with you here. We want to pull out what is my favorite chapter: racing and how it's cars, your life. race cars, oh, yeah. cars that go fast. If you went first,
3: I, you're last. That's how <laughs> that was. Our,
2: our first conversation was about that. The first time I met you, when I was still working in radio, was was about that. What, what I, year was that? <sighs> Well, wait, hold on. My mask could carry the two. So, I don't know. Was that uh, 2007, 2008? Something like that? Yeah, that will be right there when I started racing. Yeah, 2007. Yeah. That's when I graduated was, high school. I think it was 2000. Shut th- up, <laughs> man. Shut up. Dick. I think it was, t- I think it was 2008 because my son wasn't born yet when I first met All you. Right, he was okay. on the way. So, that sounds about right. But, uh, but I had a year of racing underneath my belt. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The interesting thing that you highlight in your, in your book and don't really dig into was uh, – You know, people that get into auto racing, I was around it a lot. My dad did it, my brother, the whole thing. But that's not the case in your story at all. There was no history of auto racing. It was, we're sweet potato farmers, and... First time I was in a race car was at the age of 35. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, shit.
4: Damn, that's crazy. Yeah, but yeah, we went racing when we were younger. Though. Yeah, we yeah, raced, raced a little bit, right, <laughs> sure. on the streets, the streets of Livingston. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was uh, something I decided to do um, because I needed change. I needed a big change in my life, and yeah. um, thirteen years of drug addiction. I I've, uh, I was ready for something different, something that uh, something out of out of the ordinary, something that I didn't try before. Um, you know, it was against what my family wanted me to do, or it's just something I needed to do, yeah. and uh, decided to uh, just show up at a race uh, at a, a place in Modesto, a race shop in Modesto, and uh, asked the gentleman there uh, how to how uh, how do I start racing? And he asked me what kind of racing. I said NASCAR, and
2: here I am. Now were you a little kid that like you know most of us little little boys and girls too with, the, with, the, with the, like the Hot Wheels and you know posters. racing car posters. I had
4: po- posters of race cars on my wall. So Porsches, Lamborghinis, Ferraris. Vectors, yeah. Um, Porsche was the most uh, realistic uh, goal, I guess. Right?
2: Yeah. So, um, but yeah. you talk and highlight in the book, you know. Of course, coming from you know very hardworking family, uh, you know, when you're a little kid, the family was not well off. A B Thomas isn't what it is today. Then, you know um but you m- much like many of us i remember working uh, for our neighbors that had a apricot orchard every summer and we dried the apricots and the whole thing so you started pretty early with the family and saving up the dough with something in yeah, mind yeah so yeah so this would have been yeah
4: shoot i was 15 and a half years old uh, the company was small just downtown livingston i'm not sure if you've been there before mikey or not i've been by it yeah yeah just a little tiny little place so uh, we were you know it's all five of us my brother my sister Myself and my parents were, were working there every day. Of course, we had you know some workers as well, but uh, we would go in there every day. And uh, I moved to Livingston at the age of five. And um, my dad said, if you ever want a car, you're gonna have to save save for it yourself. Um, he believed in you have to work for what you you know for what you want. And so um, so yeah, as soon as I can pick up a broom and start sweeping or. Or stacking boxes, you know, you ever have a, you know, you ever see a sweep tail box of forty pound carns, right? Yeah. You know, I was there stacking them up, and uh, I mean, no matter if I was sick or not, I remember many times my, my parents would uh, take me take me to the packing shed, sick, and just you know, if I couldn't work, I'll just be there sitting there just because there was no money for babysitters. There was, yeah. you know, they this is how it was. So, so yeah, we started with nothing, and uh, the company was still struggling or still growing um, at the time. But I saved the uh, the age of uh, 15 and a half I had uh, 8500 bucks.
2: And what did we do with that 8500 bucks? So I'm still a car. jealous of. It wasn't so, just a car.
4: So I, I I searched for the oldest Porsche that I can find or, or the, the least expensive or oldest or whatever. So it was a 1971 911T. Yeah. Um and T stands for touring, not turbo. <laughs> I, <laughs> I would I could, have guessed I turbo. Could, I don't know. I idea. could not afford a turbo back then. Um Straight but yeah, six, it was, uh, yeah, yeah. Six, yeah, six carburetors. It's actually six back then. It was six carburetors. You know, it was,
2: it's a, is a real neat setup. Um, cause it's kind of how, because it's but the platform is based off the Volkswagen one, but that's how they make it more souped up. R- yeah.
4: I'm, I'm a, I don't know. I'm a driver, not a, <laughs> not, a not a motorhead. I was say, this shit is great to me. I don't know anything <laughs> about cars. I don't know what you guys are talking but, about. But uh, I know it has six car, like you can individually set each carburetor. Sure. Um, there's six of them anyway. So, so yeah, I, had 8,500 bucks, I uh, searched around for at least the most least expensive Porsche I could find. Um, I knew it was going to be what I wanted, right? I wanted something a slant nose, flared fenders, big whale tail. Hell I mean, yeah. something badass. But uh, it was, you know, it is what it is. It was, uh, it was an orange car. It was actually a local gentleman that uh, that had it in his garage. But man, it was original. It was, it was, it was clean. You know, it might be an orange it didn't have no flared fenders and it has some I think it probably had the same wheels and tires <laughs> I mean it was uh, pretty pretty, pretty basic but um, but man it was my first car and it being a Porsche was, was totally awesome
2: how did you convince him with 8500 bucks to sell you a 1971 uh, I 911? smiled and, and played
4: that played the little you know <laughs> hey I'm a poor little kid please help me it's my dream Make my did you bring come your piggy true. bank
3: yeah I'm, just telling, <laughs> I'm I, gonna
4: hit it with the hammer now <laughs> but I, I am he wanted more money for it i can't remember what he asked i was gonna, for, just gonna
3: say you don't remember how much he was originally no yeah. I, I
4: don't i don't but uh but i do know that uh, he looked at me and said okay you know i'll take it and i think he i think he said something about you know just please take care of it oh you yeah, know, yeah like yeah, yeah. You know, one of those things like that that was his baby and yeah. maybe I, i'm not sure if he was the first owner or not the first <laughs> owner um but it was definitely clean and um so I, I I before I bought it, Ashley needed a test drive, it, so I asked one of my uh, the manager, the manager of the packing shed at the time, um, to test drive it for me because I couldn't drive couldn't drive uh, manual, right?
2: <laughs> so Six what did shift you shift
4: on the floor? You know, <laughs> was a was a I forget it. Were they five speeds? The seventy one uh, or is it a four? It, it was, no, it was a five speed. It was a five? Yeah, five speed, five speed. So didn't have no experience driving manual. Um, had some experience, of course, with with. You know, I started probably driving a couple of years before that. My dad's old uh, station wagon. <laughs> um, but uh, no experience with manual, So my, my manager drove it, said it was, hey, it's good. Um, so yeah, I gave him the 8,500 bucks and then I owned the car and had to learn how to drive uh, you know, stick. So yeah. who taught you stick? Was it that same man? Yeah, the same guy. Yeah, same guy. I'm not sure how long it took took or not i don't remember but uh before you know it man i'm i'm having
2: a blast <laughs> yeah. so when did the mullet come into play did oh you really my god <laughs> that <laughs> mullet man i mean look hey, at that thing back then it, it worked man it worked <laughs> I, you know hey I, I, my brother looked like uh, billy ray cyrus <laughs> so i totally get it
4: yeah back then it was funny stuff but um but yeah, we we um, once once I got it, I uh, slowly started converting it to what I wanted it to look like, right? So, painted it midnight blue, um, beautiful color. Um, Flared the fenders, put the tail on, bought some nice rims for it. Um, just made it, just made it something, made it what I always wanted it to be as best as I could, you know. And and I slowly did that as I, you know, as I made money, you know. So it wasn't, well, it didn't happen overnight, of course. the, when i bought it took all my money away but as the years go by and i was saving i would slowly do something i started getting more i started getting more into the um, i wanted to get into uh contests i wanted a uh, competition yeah and so one of the things that i had passion for back then was um, car stereos you know so I, I started building my own car you know uh, speaker boxes and, and doing my own system and uh i got pretty good at it you know mm-hmm. back then you know, i started off buying my radio you know my sterile stuff from like radio shack right or, yeah, right. or uh Forgot
3: then i then i graduated stick. to uh circuit city
4: i know you might be too young for circuit City. i remember Mikey. circuit
3: city i do oh, yeah. remember that yeah. it's a gym now I, I, I go to that one but yeah i know what you're
4: talking about so uh and i you know I would buy what I could afford at the time and just started building my own stuff, wiring my own stuff, building my own boxes, and uh, got pretty good at it. I started entering different uh, stereo contests. Um, uh, there was one back then, it was very really pop, Benny, Benny's, Benny's Car Show or something like that. But uh, I used to enter them and I started winning and, and uh, just got really good at it. And then, um, yeah, I did that for, actually mostly through my, my school years, and then I uh, took off to college. And uh, took the car with me to college and have some black. Had a couple of great years in,
2: uh, <laughs> <laughs> in, in the LA area. Oh, shit. My wife's here, so we're going to pass that and move <laughs> on to the next. <laughs> no, 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 no. We'll skip it. Move we'll skip forward. That. We don't need to get into <laughs> that part. So you've, at this point, you know, you got, you got your dream car, you've done all the tricked out things with it, um, got the mullet. Got the mullet. Yeah, you guys love the mullet, yeah, for, well, well, first you got to save- I think I had an earring too back then. I, right? Well, here's how things go. First you save the money, then you get the car, then you get the mullet, then you get the babe. That's how it all falls falls in line. <laughs> then you get the khakis. <laughs> then you get the khakis. Uh, so, but you weren't done with the car yet at that point because, of course, the the stereo stuff, But uh, and there's a video of it. We're going to get it up there on our Facebook page where you did some other things to a Porsche that hadn't really, when you think of a Porsche, this is not the area you would take a Porsche. Yeah.
4: So, um, so after college, I came back, came back. And, um, I mean, I I pretty much took the Porsche where, where I could, you know, I mean, it was beautiful the way it was. And I had some the stereo was awesome and all that, but I I wanted to continue doing competitions and uh, the stereo stuff. I kind of did everything I possibly could there so I started hanging out uh, when I, once I got back home. Livingston, there's, there's uh, a lot of people in, in you know a lot of Hispanics, and they were yeah. in the lowrider lowrider scene. Yeah. So a lot of my friends uh, started getting into into the car shows, the lowrider uh, low, uh, low car shows, and so um, so I joined in. Um, joined in. There was a a car club. I can't remember the name of the car club now, but uh, I joined their car club and just slowly converted my car more into the lowrider scene and. Bought me some spoke wheels, some triple gold Dayton's, and yeah, uh, yeah. started started gold plating stuff. I started off. I mean, look, as I made money, I would gold plate, you know, the fuel cap or or gold plate the trim. And then I actually started gold plating my pieces of my motor too. Like you know, you open up the yeah. the, the, the the trunk and you have gold plate it.
3: I wonder I if the, I wonder if the old owner drove by it ever and like this motherfucker. <laughs> 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 so 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 I slammed it gold. Triple gold Danes.
4: I'll go play this stuff, and I started entering um, contests, and I started winning. I mean, it was yeah, you know, The hydra I, I too. had, but I had like it was all decked out. Like I said, the stereo. By then, I was so good at my stereo stuff. Like when you open up the the uh, the front, the trunk, open up the trunk, I had all my speakers all laid out with go with with glass, piece uh, glass covers all over it. Nice, and it's all you know. Hit a switch, and the light all lit up. Mm-hmm. And I had one of the things that was pretty unique. I had a uh, an ice chest. We're actually in the front. You actually open up a lid, and there'll be a bunch of uh, drinks in there—beers, whatever you want to put <laughs> in, or sodas, I guess. But um, so it was. People really, did, you know, really liked it. Yeah. These car shows, right? You open it up, and they all kind of digged it. But so, so anyways, I did that. Uh, did that for a while, and then um, and then a couple my friends just had this crazy idea about putting hydraulics in my car. I was like, oh my god, this is. <laughs> Is gonna yeah <laughs> <laughs> chop into my car and put hydraulics in it but you know what i was like you know what screw it. i think that was like the next the next step right you know um so i, I let them do it they um one day in my garage they brought out the grinders and the cutters and, and welders and and they just went at it and i just sat back and just watched these guys just tear up my car
3: what um, so was going through your head when that was happening
4: oh man i don't know. i i to me i was always somebody that always wanted to continue you know continue to build and grow and this and that so this was like to me i was gonna be the first ever porsche with hydraulics right you know so to me it's like oh screw it let's do it i was just concerned that i was gonna lose you know uh you know speed you know drivability. you know know? i mean that was um so that was my concern am i still Mm -hmm. gonna be able to drive this car like i normally drive it Mm -hmm. you know uh no <laughs> yeah, it, it, it lost but that. you could
2: hit the three-wheel it, it motion
4: but yeah you hit down you back then it was cruising was a big deal right yeah. cruising mckinney mckinney and modesto or main street and merced and man you're cruising down main street and you got back then it was bumper to bumper cruising right i mean people yeah. ever you pull up you know these somebody pulls up next to you and they're hitting their switches at a stop and so all of a sudden you hit yours <laughs> man you want to hear see some <laughs> eyes wide open and people tripping out man you got a porsche with hydros yeah and even, too, we, we got it to the point where it was hopping, too. I mean, that's pretty crazy stuff. But um, so I, I, I enter, continue entering into car shows. And my goal was to uh, go to the Las Vegas Super Show, which is the, the big, the biggest show back back in those days. And I did won that show at the same time. Lowrider magazine heard about my car and got a hold of me. Is and that when
5: you had started your own club, though, by now?
4: Yes, I, I started my own club, my own club, Players Car Club. You know that was a. Uh, was that also with a Z? No, 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 no. <laughs> it was not. No, it was not. But um, I think there was actually there was a few, a couple car, car clubs before that. But that was actually the one I started. And that's because I was, I wanted to do more for the club scene. I wanted to do something to like help raise money for the, you know, for me and my friends and try to. Do more, as you can see. I'm big in events and raising yeah. money, and this. and that so. <laughs> As your I mean, wife been, rolls her eyes, <laughs> I
5: didn't roll them. I disagreed. <laughs>
4: yeah, well, it's an
2: agreeing <laughs> matter. Like yeah, I've been yeah, doing that for, for well, sure. all my life, I guess back in school. But um, well, but your family's kind of that way, though. Your family's really involved people, so it's part, yeah. kind of part from what I've got. Yeah, to my my my, my parents.
4: My parents were really involved with the Portuguese community and yeah. and, and uh, the the celebrations they do, the Holy Ghost celebrations and and so hmm. forth. So yeah, um. So anyway, so once I won the Las Vegas Super Show, made you know made lowrider magazine and they did a whole story and did a photo shoot in Atwater um it was time to to give up that you know part of the, my life with the with the Porsche and so I started converting it to my original dream which is the poster that was on, exactly what was on my car, my my wall which was a 930 slant nose yeah. so then it was to it was to yeah like I had to get to a shop and um a shop in Atwater, and they chopped the whole thing off. Uh, of course, got all the hydraulics off, all that stuff off, and you know, slanted the nose. I mean, it was crazy. If you ever just, if you ever Google the old, I'm not sure what year that was, but it was a nine thirty slant nose. Sorry, and it was it, it went from a blue to a beautiful red, and then before it was done shit started happening
2: yeah that's kind of a course of course then then
4: that's uh, <laughs> if you read my book then things start going really bad yes yeah. of
2: course and if you want more on where things went from there with the uh, porsche saga as we, we yeah. could call it uh, you definitely have to get carlos's book knocking doors down available at kdd like that, media yeah, yeah. company or you can go to amazon get the uh, hardback paperback and ebook there on amazon by searching under the books for uh, knocking doors down and so, of course, you know, kind of picking up from there, and as the book does, it takes through your period of uh, of addiction, your struggles, and then getting into sobriety. And now let's jump forward to what the hell motivated you to just decide I'm going to go into talk to Mike David at David's Racing in Modesto, let alone to pursue, you know, yeah. NASCAR racing. Because, you know, and people that hear 35, which is a great thing, and, and why the knocking doors down. Title just it plays so perfectly into everything we're trying to convey with people. Is most people would go, eh, you're crazy, or it's a waste of time. And no, for you, it was a necessity. Yeah. So, so this, when I get, when
4: I got back from college, when I came back from college, that was the early 90s, right? And yeah. so the story I just told you guys about the Porsche and the car shows and all that was the early 90s. And so from, I don't know, was it 93 or so to uh, 2007, it was just my life on drugs, you know, from going, you know, being the worst, locking myself in the house for, for a full year to binging back and forth over all those years. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, numerous arrests, numerous drug rehabs, uh, mar- you know, I lost a couple marriages, you know, two kids I spent no time with, I mean, it just, a lot of stories in those 13 years that the book talks about and my struggles and my, my desire to want to be clean and stay clean. Because I would get clean. I would get clean for a period of time and just fall right back. And, and, and every single time I would get clean, I swear to God, to this day I can say this with all honesty, man, I told myself it would be the last time. Yeah. You know, last time. And, yeah. and, and so I, so when I, went, when I went to drug rehabs, I gave it 100%. Mm-hmm. I mean, hundred you know, percent. I was there, focused, learning, um, and then I, I I come back home and I will be clean for a month, six months. I mean, it was just a different periods of time, and I just go right back to it. And I just it. Just was it kept just like out of boredom, or you just number one reasons boredom. Boredom, yeah. Number one reasons boredom, and I was I was the I was the expert at. Making excuses, sure. You know, and yeah. so yeah. a little argument with my little or big, either way, with my with, let's say my dad, right? Mm-hmm. The company, anything mm-hmm. to do with the company, I you know, would like storm out of there, and like oh fuck this shit, you know. And and I would take off and go find me some cocaine, yeah, you know, yeah. Or, or a mm-hmm. fight with the wife, argument <laughs> with the yeah. wife, you know. But you know, it's it was just all bullshit. It, yeah. was, just, it was just excuses, you know, reasoning reasons at the time. At the time i thought it was legitimate reasons right oh you know this is bullshit he's not fair this is uh, this is not fair whatever you know and i would go do it and uh and i think most of the time i probably told myself i'll just do it this tonight or i'll just do it this weekend yeah that was that was my favorite was just do it this weekend (laughs) and um and i i mean i was 13 years i lied to myself during this whole 13 years, even though I knew better than that, like after a while you think, especially we you've been clean for a long time, you say you have six months clean, you're like, man, I can just buy me a small little bag, do it, because mm-hmm. I'm strong now, I, I can I can handle this, I'm tougher than the drug, right? Mm-hmm. So, and, and it just, it always carried on.
3: That never worked, right? Small bag, well, I the I go, last line I, is the worst line. My,
4: my, my go from <laughs> one weekend and then I might be okay. Then the next, but eventually, yeah, yeah. It, it just said screw it. And then as soon as you, and as soon as you start having a few days underneath your belt, and, and then you have a week, this and that? After a while, then it's like you know what? Because I was someone, I was someone when I was using. I didn't want to be. I couldn't go to work. You know, I right. couldn't. I couldn't be home trying to and, and be lying to my wife and trying to hide it from my wife. Because mm-hmm. I was like, you know I me, mean, man. I'm all on yeah. or off yeah and so <laughs> you think I'm hyper now you think I have that energy now picture uh, uh, me loaded up on cocaine and and so <laughs> I just didn't I just didn't like it I didn't enjoy it you know some people you can do a little bit and hide it and you know to me it was like no, nah, I want to party I want to call kinds of people over I want to have a yeah. good time I don't want to be doing it in like if I can't the obvious, or I can't have fun with it, then why am I doing it? Not yeah, it's that,
2: it's that very common thread, and I can relate is, um, of course, in all addicts, we are liars. Our addiction does make us a liar, and we lied to no one more than ourselves. And I know for me it was because, you know, everybody in this room has drank with me, and most of the times I was pretty reasonable. And then lots of the times it's like probably people going, oh, fuck, that guy needs some help. Yeah. You know, and, and it was the same thing. I'll be fine. I can sit here and have one gin and tonic, you know, twelve later. Yeah. Well, wow, let's let's go. Come on. Dude, it's four AM. I know. <laughs> uh and it just is. And it's a it's a, such a part of that.
4: Yeah, so it was yeah, it's addiction, right? Yeah. And so I was full you know, full blown addict. And so those um so I'm cruising through those thirteen years and when finally the night happened i call yeah. it the night it's one of the chapters in my book when the night happened um the next morning i said okay i, I gotta i gotta change I, I gotta i this has to stop I, I i cannot do drugs ever again and uh but i of course probably said that a thousand times prior to that right so I started thinking to myself, okay, well, what the, what's the number one reason why I'm doing drugs and Mikey, like you just said, boredom, right? Mm-hmm. So boredom is the number one. I knew that. Okay. I knew that work, you know, I'm great at my job companies. I, you know, I grew the company, even though those 13 years I'm, I'm binging. I would, you know, I would get clean, go to work, you know, elevate the company to the new level. Then I would take off binge and my father would have to come in or my brother would come in and try to take care of the company and try to pick up where I left off. And I come back and then grow the company again. I like, so I, the company was continuing to grow and being successful, but it wasn't enough, right? Cause if it was enough, then I wouldn't be going back to drugs, right? It, yeah. it, w- it would give me enough purpose, enough, you know, no purpose, enough reason mm-hmm. to, to stay clean every day. Well, it wasn't happening. And so I said, okay, well, I know works not enough. And then I had two, you know, great wives, you know, I got married twice. I divorced twice, so they're good women. Mm-hmm. You know, good. You know, I, had two, I had two daughters, one from each, and uh, great children. I mean, th- that should have been enough, right? But it wasn't, right? Because I, I binged, I binged uh, soon after I got married with both. So the marriage wasn't enough. The kids weren't enough, even though I know it should be enough, and I should be enough. You know, I'm, a, I know I'm an asshole, and most people are like, wow, you're an asshole. Your kids weren't enough to keep you clean. Well. It is what it is, man. It, I, I'm not saying I, 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 I would die for my kids, but for some reason it wasn't working. Like it wasn't working. And mm-hmm. I, had, I, I had to find something that made me stay clean so I can be with my kids, that I can, I can be a better husband and, and be, with my, be a better boss at, at the company or whatever. So, so I quickly uh, enrolled in college. I got. I went to join Merced College, <laughs> became a college student. Uh, why? Uh, well, because I my college <gasps> years I left a year and a half into it, right. so I never got my degree in college. So I thought, ah, maybe I'll just finish up, finish up and get my, my degree. Plus, I started thinking, okay, what else can I do in college to keep me active? And and so I, I joined the water polo team. And then I also, what else I, didn't I did? know you played water polo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nice. Um, and then uh, I, I joined the jazz, there was a, a jazz band. I you a, played trumpet, right? Trumpet. I played trumpet. My, my dad was big in the Portuguese community. He got us playing in the Portuguese marching band. Mm-hmm. So I grew up playing the trumpet. So I was like, ah, oh, I'll try that. So, so I'm in college, going to college classes. I actually took some business classes, which is kind of funny. I'm, I'm taking care of a... Million dollar company, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but uh, either way, I went to business business classes, um, water polo and uh, trumpet, so I did that for a semester. But I started getting bored of that too. I was like, oh, I'm getting bored, and that, that's when I met Asia during that time, sort of. I right? met you
5: just before that, just before yeah, that, yeah, yeah. So
4: there's a there's the there's, there's story with that too. But um, so Asia's watching all that, right? <laughs> you're, you're seeing this happening and and so forth, and she knows why, she knew a little bit about my past, right? About what was going on, a but
5: bit, not I- that in depth of it. Yeah, just kind of like a little bit surface conversations.
4: Yeah. So, so uh, I start started seeing myself getting bored with the college things. Like, okay, this is not gonna last. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not gonna last, right? So I'm, I'm what three months clean or whatever it was, four months clean. Um. So yeah, because that was September 2006 was the last time I used September 2006. So by then it was like January 2007. And I'm like. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna fail. I'm gonna something. I I just couldn't tell. I I had to go do something different, more different, bigger, something. Uh, and so then that's when I something came to my mind. It's like you know what? One of the things that I loved doing when I was young was going fast. I loved I loved ra- you know racing my Porsche down the street, around the corner. You know, uh, pulling up next to people and racing them. I, like it was. I knew that I loved to go fast. I loved to race. And and I always thought to myself when I was a little kid, oh, I'll be a great racer. But never thought that would be reality because first, you know, we never had money growing up. So that right. wasn't an option. Plus I, all my friends that I grew up in, with school had no one, I knew zero people that raced, um, never went to a racetrack, never watched racing on TV even. Um, it
2: still baffles me that it's like, I'm going to do that. Cause for me, you, you know, if I, if, if I was in the situation, Hey Carlos, guess what? I'm joining your team. I just won the lotto, you know, yeah. cause I've watched it all my life. That still baffles. me. It's like, never watched it on TV, never went. Yeah, but no. Yeah,
4: but I thought I'd still be good at it, though. Like even though I've never, I knew I wanted to go. Fa- I knew I I wasn't afraid to go fast. I knew that I can handle a car because I mean I used to literally try to you know take my car around corners and try to you know I wasn't I wasn't I thought I can handle driving a car any mm-hmm. type of car. So,
5: and so the th- racetrack's kind of the place to do it. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah.
4: Finally, finally do it somewhere where I'm supposed to be doing it. You and know? push
2: it to the limits. You're yeah. not, you're not, and that's the thing with the car. You have to drive it at its edge.
4: Yeah. Yeah. And so then, of course, if you, you know, if you live the drug life like I did and like most people do, you know, you're always living on the edge a little bit. And yeah. you're always, I mean, to me, when I was drugging, I was. I would leave my house looking for—I hate to say it—trouble. You know, mm-hmm. I, I would leave the house. Sometimes I, you know, I hate to say it. I was—I would hope a car, or a cop car, would, or a cop would see me and, and and chase me. You know, I mean, that was kind of like my oh, crazy fuck thing. Fuck that. <laughs> you know, but Mikey, I let, see a cop,
3: I'm like shit, shit. But Mikey, shit. let me tell you,
4: after, after you get arrested a couple of times, you stop thinking that. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it was all—that's my thoughts before I got caught. Those yeah. handcuffs hurt like a They're motherfucker. Not <laughs> They're not fun. They're not fun. So, me. so. Um, so, yeah, so I just thought to myself, you know what, I, I, I think racing might be the answer. And so I showed up to Modesto Racing David uh, products and talked to um, a gentleman named Mike David. And um, he asked me what kind of racing I wanted to do. I told him uh, something like NASCAR. And um, he told me a little bit about it, talked to me a little bit about the different levels and explained to me, you know, that you know, I would be l- racing the local level, which is called was called the Wellen uh, Series at the time. And... Um, and yeah and he introduced me to somebody that had a, an old race car for sale and i purposely bought something really old because yeah. i knew that i was probably not good <laughs> well, well plus then back then i didn't have a lot of money you know i didn't have much money but it was still i knew that i was probably going to wreck it or, or <laughs> i needed something i could uh you know bang up a little bit how uh,
2: quickly can we replace the fenders and yeah, the quarter panel yeah. <laughs> and the rear so desk.
4: so yeah so i bought a race car showed up there to in my um I took a, uh, a tractor trailer, a flatbed tractor trailer, uh-huh. and loaded up the race car, and uh, up to the, actually I, t- I took it back to my company, took it to my uh, my shop there, and um, called a couple of my friends and asked them if they wanna go racing with me, and
2: uh, here we are. What track was the first track you went in? in uh, Madeira, Madeira Speedway, it's the closest,
4: closest racetrack. Uh, yeah. Back then Stockton 99, which is pretty close to us as well, but they, uh, they were not open at the time. It was uh, the closest track was Madeira Speedway. It's a 3rd mile. Yeah, and then uh, really it's about 45 track. minutes away. And also there was the Altamont, which I'm not sure if the Altamont opened up the next year or, or if it was that year or not, but the Altamont which is closed is closed now. No, it was that year too. I
5: remember. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. So
4: that was a, that's a really fun track as well, yeah, but it was, it was yeah, Madeira Speedway. Um, called my friends up. My friends said, "Man, you're crazy for doing this," but uh, they knew they knew why I was doing it. And they were 100% supportive.
2: That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, yeah. So at this point, too, people you don't realize if you if you simply just watch it on TV, you not have been around it. You don't know anything about the setup. That you know, I always love the line from Days of Thunder. There's nothing stock about a stock car. Uh, you know, to set up a car, there's so many different things. You know, you got your sway bars, your track bars. You got your you know stuff that you do with you know the 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 toe on the t- uh, on the front end of what you're doing to increase the you know steering and handling and all this stuff. So you guys show up there at this track. and knowing the guys that worked with you, I believe they didn't have any background either, right? Yeah, no, nobody had no idea.
4: And I can honestly say,
2: that when I when I went to go buy a race car,
4: I thought it was just going to be a steering wheel and a gas pedal. That's and still what time. I think, is it not? I I, I thought <laughs> that I, I thought that I had no idea about setups like everything that that Jason just talked about, how technical everything is and how everything precise it needs to be to be fast. Mm-hmm. And then once you go out there, I mean, it, you're talking tenths of a second, being from first to last. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's crazy. And so. We showed up there with no idea at all. We we took to our, we took to the track. Your basic tools: some mm-hmm. screwdrivers, some some wrenches, <laughs> some whatever. you know. We had no tools. Somebody we, had some zip ties. We, we had no no hell, hell yeah <laughs> zip ties and duct tape, man. we were ready to <laughs> rock and roll, man. And uh, we had absolutely no idea, and we just started learning. Like I, you know, my guy, my friend Joe Cordero. He's he did know motors because he were, he was a mechanic for mm-hmm. a dealership, so he knew motors. And then uh, another friend of mine, Frank Lucas, he. Um, He's just mechanically inclined. Like, he knows mechanics and stuff. He yeah. builds stuff. So he was there as well to help us out. Um, Brian Escobar, he went there. He was my spotter. Um, who else? I don't know. They had one guy just to clean. I mean, it was – so we went there and pulled onto the track, and I, I swear to God, the first corner spun out. You know, mm-hmm. and, you know I, okay, I can do this again. Went out there spun out. And I thought – I was thinking I was spinning out because I just wasn't given enough – you know wheel input or the too much in it will input. it was just because i was going too fast yeah. <laughs> you know what i'm saying <laughs> yeah I, I just thought to myself more more gas the faster you're gonna be the better mm-hmm. you're gonna be and, and i was of course trying to show off to everybody I was like look how fast i can be and so i'll go into the corner really fast thinking that wasn't but it wasn't working and so and then finally when i made the corner i come out i used to get on the gas so much i used to freaking get loose and hit the wall bam you know and, and so Took a, it took a while took a while just to, to to actually I didn't figure it out to be honest I didn't figure it out myself I had to have other teams finally come up to me and say Carlos you're doing this all wrong and yeah. started talking to my guys about stagger and sway bar and springs and uh, started, camber started and talking everything. to me about about slowing down around the corners and 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 the angle that you go in and, and and you know and and you know making sure you're hitting the apex right and These things, and so that's that is when we finally started learning racing, Mm -hmm. and uh, that's when it started becoming fun, and um, yeah, and that's when we (coughs) finally got you know thank God thank God that happened because race day was you know this was January and Mm -hmm. first race was in March, and so uh, when race day came I felt I was ready.
2: Yeah, and how did you do with the first race? I blew it big time.
4: <laughs> I, I blew it big time. It was I was such a I was such a wreck that they black flagged me. And uh which would, who doesn't know what that means means basically get your get your ass off the track because <laughs> you you are you are causing a mess. <laughs> and that's not
3: permanently, right? That's just for the one race. Just, just that one just gotcha. that one race. Just mm-hmm. that one race. But it's embarrassing,
4: man. When you go out there <clears throat> when you're out there and you're spinning out every lap. Yeah. I mean seriously, you take a green, you take the you know the green and you go and you and you and you spin out. By yourself. Nobody's around you. Yeah. And you're spinning out. It's a <laughs> <laughs> My wife, <laughs> love you, darling. Yeah, but you, uh, you know what? That's <laughs> your rock. But, <laughs> but
2: but she knows where we went, where we were, and where we are now. Yeah, and she, yeah, she yeah, it, for We sure. can laugh about it because for sure. it, it, it. Hey, buddy, I watched you a lot too. It wasn't the first couple of years, but it, I watched too. It, it I, was embarrassing.
4: It was straight out embarrassing, and it was embarrassing thing for me. It was embarrassing for the team. And and now you
5: guys were having fun. No, well, no,
4: not right there in the beginning. No, when you're spinning out, Uh, I
5: think I can show you a picture where you have half of a car left, and you
4: guys have big ass smiles on your
2: faces.
4: (laughs) (laughs) But before that day, before that day, I got I got black flag for for spinning out. I think the next race, I broke the car. Like you can, I used I used to have a problem coming out of the corners, and I used to be on the throttle so much, and my back end used to hit the wall so bad that my whole rear end would like shift Shift over you know and um and so i don't know how many black flags i had it's probably a good few and you know and the wrecks and and um you know just doing things that stopped me from finishing a race when we finally did take a checkered flag it was so exciting so exciting i'm talking about We had no fenders, we had no no door (laughs) panels, we absolutely had nothing. But you should see this picture we have with my, my my team mm-hmm. right. Yep.
2: That's one Asia's talking about. Asia, get us a copy so we can so people can see this on the yeah. social media. I was actually thinking to share, well, but uh, kudos
3: to you for sticking with it. I mean, getting black flagged multiple times, spin all that shit like that could be really discouraging to where you just say, you know what, fuck this, I'm done with yeah, it. Yeah, 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 you yeah, stuck yeah. with it so good. And, That's awesome. And, and they kept allowing me back to the track, which is kind yeah. of nice <laughs> too, right? It's like getting kicked out of a bar. It's but, like but it, it. back <laughs> at school. When yeah. you
4: when you get it, or even some sometimes I think you know some people may have. Would just say, "I'll oh, screw this to Because, man, I mean, you spend out, you start getting booed. Yeah, I mean, you get booed. Fans will boo you off, you know. And it's like, "Oh man, am I, am I cut off for this? Can I really do this?" But there is not one time ever I told myself I wasn't going to continue. Not one, one, not one single time. And so I was, I'm just so happy my friends stuck with me, and we got that first checkered flag, got that first pitcher. and then um, and things just got things just got better from there. Because once you, once you Learn how to do like once you get there and you do it once, then you start learning how to do it again and again and again, and so it it just became easier and easier as time went by.
2: It takes me back to two things, a couple episodes uh, back. I think it was an intro for David Siegel. We talked about the importance of failure in life in general towards success, and a lot of people and how we can be so hard on ourselves. And the other thing that it helps me is to think about it for people going through recovery is we have to really humble ourselves. You know, I think back about, like, Brandon Novak talking about when he got clean. Here's a guy on Viva La Bam and Jackass, the movies, MTV. He became a waiter just after getting clean. And for you, yeah. the humbling experience was this thing where it's like, I'm this guy that's pushed all these limits and it's like, Dishwasher. this it's fucking car is kicking my <laughs> ass. But I, but I'm, you're not going to let it. It's humbling.
4: Right. No, for sure. And, um, I mean, you really think about you know, what... what um, I was pretty much like, why not, or 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 I have to. Like I, I had that attitude where I knew I know what I was doing. Yeah. You know, so what can be worse than that, or or or, you know, I don't know. It was just something that I something told me. There's no way in the world I'm going to quit, and I'm going to keep doing it. And uh, I think down deep, in, d- deep down inside, I knew I'll eventually get it. I mean, I was always an athlete growing up. Um, you know, I didn't know anything about mechanics or, or, you know, setting up cars and so forth. But just being a uh, being an athlete means I love competition. I love, I love winning. I love doing well. I love, you know, what I'm saying. Yeah. So that drives me. And so I, I, um, I just kept at it. And uh, a couple of years later, I won my first race, and which was was a total blast as well. Yeah.
2: And here I'm at, still still at it. Yeah, I know. I remember. I I don't recall if. Uh, It went out on social media where I read it. I remember, "Congrats on the first one!" Sending you a text because it was cool. Because and it is. It's it's for anybody out there that's really listening. You're hearing Carlos's story is, uh, and you enter your sobriety or whatever your adversity is. Is don't give up. You are going to have setbacks, and it's all a part of those necessarily necessary failures in the learning process. Right.
4: And I also think one of the messages too that I I hope that uh, people people get from from this conversation we're having but also from my book too is if you want if you want change long, uh, long lasting change, sometimes you have to do something against what other people might think. Yeah. Or or you know, something you might be afraid of or you just have to figure it out yourself. I, I got a lot of people that come to me over the years and say, Carlos, you know, I got a friend that's you know, addicted to drugs or a kid that's addicted to drugs or whatever. You got any advice or what can I do? And I said you know, you really can't do anything until that person's ready, yeah. because when that, once that once that person's ready, and if that person's truly ready, then they're gonna find what they need for themselves. Because everybody's different. They're gonna find out what they need for themselves to be clean. You know, some people, some people people need to go to the twelve step program. That's what they need to do every day. Hey, I applaud them. Good for you. Mm-hmm. I can never do that. I tried it. I, I you know some you know people told me I need to go get a sponsor and this and that. Just wasn't wasn't my thing. You know, um, my thing was racing and, uh, I can't say it was only racing because soon a- soon after I started racing, right. When I started racing is when, you know, I created the brand, the brand 5150 and, and started my foundation. So I think all three together has helped me, uh, stay clean all over all these years and at the same time help people along the
2: way. Yeah. Well, and that's what it, the thing is about, is a purposeful life. Uh, Asia, what was it like for you then coming into Carlos's life right around the time? Because, you know, I mean, well, you guys have been together. But you just had your 10th anniversary or 11th? Uh, no, ninth.
5: Ninth. ninth. Ninth wedding, ninth. but ninth. I met him in 2006. So I met him before the night. Um, but with when it came to racing, he was like, hey – I think I'm going to buy a race car. I want to start racing. And I'm like, okay. And then like, not too long later, he's like, hey, I bought a race car. I'm like, whoa. <laughs> Someone's actually doing what they're going to say they're going to do. And it just kind of went from there.
2: Was that new for a man to tell you something and then them actually do it? Because we're pretty full of shit. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think
5: so. Like, He's been a person that I've met. I that told about he's...
2: four girls I was buying a race car. <laughs> so.
5: Yeah, it just he's always been that. Person that when he says he's gonna do something, he's gonna do it. Yeah. So, how uh, no matter how crazy it may be, he's gonna do it. Uh, well, we're sitting right
4: here in this studio. That <laughs> now, is now. When I say that, she's all great.
3: Now what? <laughs> I, said, I, I said, hey babe, come here. I got an idea. Oh shit. Now what? <laughs> well, correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't you guys go skydiving like on your second date or first date? I think date? it
5: was the first time, I remember hearing that. You were just but talking about it the I do, next day, yeah, skydiving. Yeah, no, we were out to dinner with friends and I was like oh yeah, no, skydiving, that's crazy. I can yeah. sit on my couch watching someone do it and it sure. gives me a thrill. He's like, cool, let's go. <laughs> 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 then we were, but um, the first weekend that I was here, he took me on the Hayabusa and we were going 185 and I was on the back.
2: Oh, shit. So Oh. She, she she liked to go fast too no. though so it's uh, yeah i'm aware of this <laughs> <laughs> so
4: she she likes some racing she's um she's been there like uh, all the races pretty much I yeah think. i think
5: that there, i missed one anyone
4: oh yeah, yeah one of the ones i won yes she was there but um we we grew up in fact i think we even went to uh, your mom your took your mom Skydiving? Yeah, my mom went skydiving. She didn't bring
5: her ID like I told her to, so she had to use mine. So the whole video, they're like, go, Asia, go.
3: (laughs) My grandma's friend just (laughs) went skydiving. She's uh, 87, 88. She went skydiving for her birthday. And I'm just, I personally. I don't see the point of jumping out of a perfectly good airplane, but if that's something somebody wants to do to get a thrill, like more power to you,
2: but fuck, I could never do that. I think it's necessary. Look at that. We got the picture here that the uh, showing us of the car just torn the hell apart. <laughs> oh shit. That's too awesome. So of course in, oh, in the book man. also, Carlos, you do touch on the importance <laughs> of the, the 5150, the number, the brand and everything else. And of course the background on that, which, which people, um, can go and find the background of it and where that really came to your head, but um, you know what is it for for you guys? Uh, you, you know, Asia yourself and and what not just fifty one fifty the the foundation and what it means for you because people don't realize that the first opportunity to do charity came about because of the racing.
4: you you, you asking her? Or you asking me? Well, we'll start with you. Um, so yeah, so if you um, get a chance to pick up the book and and read the chapter called the night. It talks about you know where when the uh, the thought came to me of um, creating the brand fifty one fifty, and um, and so once I created the brand fifty one fifty, that you know that gave me you know that gave me the reason or the gave me the answer I needed from a number for my car right number fifty one mm-hmm. and then also the logo that you see and all the different products that you buy uh, that are fifty one fifty, but also. Uh, once we show up to the racetrack, we were approached by Valley Children's Hospital, and uh, our race team raised more money than any other race team, and so we donated that money. And I, util- I saw an opportunity there to utilize team. Back then, we were called Team 5150, right? It was Carlos Fierro Racing Team 5150. So I looked at, you know, looked at the opportunity to use Team 5150 to raise money by doing different fundraisers and donating it to different organizations. Um, so we did that at first, and then soon after that, we decided to launch our own campaign called Race for Autism. And so that was in 2009 uh, we raced I, I raced that year almost, I think it was 30, what, 35, 36 it was races? Crazy. I raced <laughs> almost every weekend. Yeah. I decked out my car with with puzzle pieces. And we were known as, you know, Team 5150, the team that raises money for, to help families with autism. So that's when I decided to start my nonprofit, the Carlos Vieira Foundation. And um so yeah, here we are, years later. With th- we got three campaigns now: uh, race for autism,
2: race to be drug free, and race to end the stigma. Yeah, which we spoke about heavily last month during Mental Health Awareness Month. Uh, Asia, what is it that you know for you that it's meant in doing this uh, as part of it? You, you know, you are a little bit, uh, you're kind of a more a take take aback in that uh, you're not a spotlight kind of person, yeah, but no. you are an incredibly hardworking person, such an integral part of the foundation. And what what has it meant to you? this came about you know
5: for me it's just kind of been life you know what I mean like I take things we've always talked about just taking things one day at a time so for me it's just always just been one step after the other and it's grown to what it is I think after reading the book too it has a different meaning as well just knowing like that true meaning as to where it came from yeah
4: so so, yeah so a couple things that Asia just mentioned so first of all she's being really humble because I'm telling you Every time I started something, she, she has been a huge part of getting it off the ground. You know what I'm saying? So no matter if it's, it was, uh, you know, the foundation, for example, the, my, the apparel company, the 5150 apparel company, um, you know, the, the vodka, or it could be the podcast or it could be. Uh, whatever I mean yeah. any, anytime I start something, she is right there to help me to get it off the ground. and when once, once it's going smoothly, we, can, we kind of try to get other people to take over and, and, and go from there. But uh, she's being really really humble about that yeah. for sure. Uh, yeah. I wanted to say something else too, but then I, I caught up on that. So,
3: <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mikey, you got anything else? I want to hear what you were going to say. Well, <laughs> she, well, well, she was saying something else though. And I, else the fifty-one fifty. Oh, the
5: meaning behind the it. The meaning like behind it. Now that I know the true story. Well, I'm yeah, yeah, you're you're that's, comment yeah. That's
4: yeah, yeah. That. I was going to say that because when, the, when once again the the chapter called the night. Um, Read that chapter. It's fucking heavy. Yeah. It's, it's so and, and and other stories too. My wife ages. God bless her. She, during my whole years of, you know, when I first met her, let's me go back here to the, when we first met her and she came to go come see me, uh, I picked her up at the airport. We're, we're driving back. We stopped at Cattleman's, uh, Cattleman's Restaurant there in, uh, was it Pleasanton? Living, or, Livermore, Pleasant, Livermore, Livermore, Livermore whatever. So one thing I didn't mention earlier, one of the changes that I decided to do in September of 2006, when I said, after that night happened, I said, you know what? For me to make sure that I am thinking straight, doing, and, and that I'm going to stay clean, I promised myself I'm gonna go one year with no no, no substance at all. And so back then I was a smoker mm-hmm, right. and I was a drinker, right? So I gave, I told my, one year I'm gonna do no drinking, I'm gonna do no smoking, and of course no drugs. So right. it was complete cleaniness, clean, clean, clean. So man, I knew I was gonna be bored as hell, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> sure. Anyway, so, that's what,
2: so then you guys know the rest of the story, right? But uh, mm-hmm.
4: anyway, so I picked up her at the airport we're driving back and we stopped at Kettleman's and so we're there and the first thing I said when she sat down because we actually sat I, I think at the bar area right yeah like a high top because all kind of in that same yeah. area right and so I said babe I gotta tell something I gotta tell you something she's like I think now I was I, like
5: dear lord please don't tell me you're married <laughs> and I, said,
4: I said hey I'm not I don't drink you know and she just kind of said oh, okay and it was mm-hmm. kind of continue on. I thought for sure she might ask me about, you know, hey, how long have you been up been sure, drinking? Sure. What's that about? Blah, blah. She just blew right past that and then moved on. And So, over all these years, she never really dug into any of my past. You know, I told her, you know, she knew that I had a uh, heavy drug, you know, past and, and yeah. I was addicted and she knew I lost She knew about a lot, of, a lot of the stuff, but not the stories. And so, this book talks a lot of stories that she never heard of. And so, she... You know, I told her I was writing this book, and, you know, I asked her if she wanted me to kind of share some of the what it was going to be about. She said, you know what? I don't need to know anything. You know, if there's something you need to do you, you know, for yourself, go ahead. I'm good. And she just let me do it. And I uh, thought that was pretty, pretty cool because I think a lot of some people would be like, oh, is that, how is this going to embarrass me or how is this going to yeah. affect our relationship and this and that? But she was 100% supportive of that. And uh, the story about the night, the, the chapter, the part about the night, no one knew no, I, I, not one soul no, knows the true reasons of all of this how did i or why did i create all this everything uh-huh. we've been talking about today and you know why did i start racing and why did i create the things i did was because of that night and not even my wife or not even no one knew and so um i just want to give
2: say i love you thank you for that <laughs> you love know you. it's
4: it's awesome that she's done that over the
2: years for me
0: yeah
2: uh, you, you, you lucked out there, my friend. You lucked out, I got to say. Well, Mr. Rocky, you got anything else? Yes, uh, one Mr. more DR. thing. Go for it.
3: You ever uh, still want to race cars when you see you at a red light? Just <laughs> out and about off the track? You ever get the whole urge when so, you were younger? So, Asia was just talking about
4: my Hayabusa. I own a Hayabusa. I own a Harley. I own a, a you know fairly new turbo Porsche. I mean, yeah. it's... Um, <laughs> and honestly, uh, I never really ride the bikes anymore um my porsche is, is parked there i don't re- you know I, that breaks my fucking I, heart, I, I don't right? i don't use it a lot not because i don't love bikes i don't love the porsche but that my thrill what i you know is at the track now i i take care of that urge to go fast and mm-hmm. and to you know the competition and all that I, I do it. I do it at the track. And the weekends so that
5: we do have free now to ride the bikes and stuff like that, not anymore. We're at the track. <laughs> so well, yeah, that, that.
4: That, that too. But it's um, I don't. I, I think. I think more and more now. I got my F two fifty that I love cruising around. Mm-hmm. cruising around in. Um, the speeds kind of. But, good. but kinda, now uh,
5: I, he's still gotten his speeding t- speeding tickets here and there. Well, the I've been
4: I've been a lot, but yeah, I used, yeah. To, I used to file my speeding tickets. And, 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 <laughs> and I used to file, I swear to God, I, I used to file them. It, it was so oh, it was so bad. But uh, now thinking about that Porsche, we oh, we gotta dust that thing off. It's been a I couple know. months. Yeah, was, uh, would
2: you do it at least for me, <laughs> please? Uh, yeah, because I was gonna say, you know, you did have that Audi and that had that Lambo engine in that. So that I, know one, that, I yeah.
5: love that car. I
2: know that thing had some get-up and go. I I do recall. Yeah. I do
4: but recall. But I think I think my you know, I don't drive. You know, you're joking around a little bit. But my speed on the freeways
5: is not like it used to be, right? I mean I used to. No, you said that you did that. You never did that with me, and I thank the Lord because I would not be able to stay in that car. Yeah,
4: I got, be like, I, get I got some. Yeah, sorry about that. that was yeah, probably it was before her. But so yeah, so you leave I got, it on the
3: track. You leave it on the yeah. Track yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I think I think Mikey I think
4: Mikey's in urge to go racing or something with me. Wait, oh, what are you trying to say? As here, long Mikey? as you're driving, I, you,
2: I, I'm not an aggressive if driver. If you got him in that Porsche, he would be leaving some stains okay. in his shorts, my friend. <laughs> I'm an
3: aggressive driver <sighs> to an extent where, like, I lived in Los Angeles at one point. You can't be you can. a yeah, wuss driver there. You have to be aggressive in that. So I'm aggressive in that sense. But when I'm like. On a freeway but that's by more like myself road and it's in the open. Oh yeah, I have right. gnarly road rage for sure. I'm not denying that. <laughs> I have crazy road rage. I will scream at the top of my lungs. I know that old, that old lady that we went by the other day. She oh, was frightened. She had it coming. I didn't tell her to fucking pull in front
2: of me at 45. It's <laughs> not my problem. Get the hell out of the way. <laughs> anyways, anyways. Uh, Carlos, I would like you to be able to you know wrap it up for us. It's just the importance and maybe you know and the encouragement to anyone out there. Uh, especially, you know, and, and I think it could translate to someone of any kind of trauma and addiction. The importance of, of something that is maybe outwardly selfish, but it's in turn, it's internally, not internally, it's intrinsically become something that has become so selfless for you. The racing's really brought so many opportunities that it started as simple as going out, doing it, not giving up. Had you have given up, there would have never been the day where the children's hospital came about and said, hey, we want to raise money. And then once you saw money being raised, it's like, we can do this all the time. So what kind of words of encouragement can you lend to people to find something purposeful that is for well, them I and there it, is nothing wrong with that? Yeah,
4: well, I think it's first is be honest with yourself. You, you, you really have to be honest with yourself and, and and not try to pretend that you're something that you're not. You know, you have to... You have to look deep down inside and say, what am I good at? What am I not good at? You know, what's true, what's not true. And be okay with that, be okay with who you are. Find out the things that you need, you need to work on, you know, find your weaknesses and, and, and try to find things that can keep you focused and keep you driven. And, um, you know, I'm someone, I'm something, I'm very ambitious. I know that I have to continue to grow and, and do something and and, see, and and make change. And and so I, I don't try to pretend different. So every day I wake up and what more can I do and more what can I do? And that's why, like I said, God bless Asia because she's perfect for me because she just kind of goes along with that, you know? <laughs> yeah. And she don't, she don't fight it because she understands it. And uh, but at the end, it makes me, a am better for it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I'm better for it because I'm around. And the most important thing to me and one of the things I realized know 14 years ago I've been 14 years clean now is that uh, the best thing I can do for all the people that love me that are around me is for me to be around so for being around that means I have to go racing even though some people don't like me to go race being around means that I have to um, do do all you know start new companies or or donate my time for the foundation or what whatever it is it's what I have to do and if you love me you support me if you don't well then i rather, you know, it's best you stop be around because this is what I need to do to stay clean, and this is what I'm going to continue to do.
2: Yeah. Well, thank you, Miss Asia, for coming in. You're welcome. Always a pleasure. Carlos, my brother. Brother man, what's up? Th- thank you very much right, for sharing. Man. And, of course, Thanks. everybody, don't forget, you can get the book, Knocking Doors Down, at kddmediacompany.com or go to Amazon, get the paperback, get the hardcover
1: or the ebook there as well.
2: Well, thank you again to uh, Carlos and Asia Vieira coming in, talking my favorite chapter of the book, Mikey racing and how it saved my life. Because if you ain't first, you're last. <laughs> Get it done, buddy. That's all that goes through my head with racing. I'm sorry. Uh, uh, Will Ferrell ruined it for me. I know. You're not a big auto sports guy, but <laughs> it, it is really insightful, and it's cool. Again, I I really loved how Carlos spoke on how it was what worked for him despite who did or didn't support it. Sure. And also, you hear so much love between him and his wife and how much he adores her that any of the passions he's pursued, not only has she been supportive, but such an integral, hardworking part of it. Sure. Yeah. And it's definitely something we've seen firsthand, which I think is key for any type of relationship or working relationship, a marriage, whatever it is, is that uh, maximum effort. And I know that, uh, you know, that's one of the pleasures about working for Carlos. Sometimes it's the challenge, but that he expects a maximum effort to the best of your ability. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it can be frenetic. And inspirational to to be in that kind of environment. That's what I'm saying, man. He has his eyes
3: set on one prize, and you just go for it. You know, that's a and it's a good thing to be a part of that. As us working for KDD, like so, we're a part of that now. I love it. You <laughs> yes, know? sir. Yeah.
2: Uh, and headed your way, we got some uh, great episodes coming for you. We got uh, none other than Megan Leach, Megan. Megan. She's an awesome lady. You hear her story of uh, a family background uh, of addiction and mm-hmm. how she fell into opioid use. And that'll be the first week of August. That'll be the uh, that next week, actually. One week from today, that comes out. And then, of course, Luke Wallet. Luke Wallet. Yes, <laughs> Luke Wallet. The following <laughs> Thursday, uh, he has a background of opioid addiction, but his came about totally different circumstance it related to his uh, thriving to become an NFL star and injuries wrong now. team though but yeah NFL star <laughs> yes yes he wasn't going to be a niner he wasn't going to be a niner so I don't care about it. I'm yeah. just kidding
3: I'm just kidding it's a great episode great people
2: good yeah, stuff coming. he's a good man and uh, so we're looking forward to hearing that because two very different uh, um, stories the same addiction though of opioids and it's uh, it's so frightening yeah um, how spe- easily
3: addictive it is and how off track Crack, your life can go like
2: that. Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of that, we'll also speak with Chris Jensen, who uh, various addictions throughout his life comes mm-hmm. from a very strong family background of addiction, incredibly insightful issue, because he is working in helping keep the youth off of drugs and alcohol. That's right. And, uh, you know, just an amazing individual. It's another kind of reminds me of speaking with the Tony Hoffman of where there's a lot of deep information because he's using everything he went through and he's now such a resource for sobriety and a great guy, so really looking forward to that. Then we finish out the month of July. An amazing woman, Casey Johnson. Oh yeah, and uh, Casey Johnson. If you don't recognize the name, she was at Columbine High School. And she was actually shot during the events that took place there. I get chills like when just hearing about that. I know. Yeah. And she is just phenomenal. I highly recommend you look her up. You can search Casey Johnson, Colin Bine. You'll find her website. Not only is she doing great inspirational work, but she's also doing awesome blogs that help with parenting and a lot of things that she's doing. And it's really insightful. And she's just such a sweet and thoughtful woman. And so we're so looking forward for you guys to being able to hear what she has to say about that experience and how she really overcame that and the anxiety she's had to deal with in becoming a parent when uh, shootings have happened at schools and about making sure her parents or her children continue to go to school and really keeping her anxieties at bay and not trying to pass that along to her kids. She's such a strong and incredible woman, as are all the guests that we speak with. So that is going to be awesome. Plus, uh, Matt Gannam coming your way.
3: Yeah, wicked good interview. Wicked
2: good interview. Wicked yeah, good. A Boston guy, <laughs> and uh, he's uh, really good stuff. I mean, talk about a Brandon Novak-like story at the brink. Uh, but turned his life around an amazing father helping others actually running a treatment center now. So looking forward to that. And of course we'll, uh, also have Amanda Webster coming up where, uh, Mikey and I debate what song was she listening to? What band when she was standing on the edge of a balcony mm-hmm. in a hotel in uh, Canada and contemplating taking her life and how she's turned her life around. Yeah. And uh, her and I also share a love for professional wrestling. Yeah, that
3: you do. That you do.
2: We'll talk with her about that. So we've got a lot of great guests coming your way. And thank you again, uh, everyone, for subscribing to the Knockin' Doors Down podcast from Mikey and myself. We appreciate it so much. We're reaching peak numbers right now, and it just keeps going up and up, and we know you guys are spreading the word, so we've got nothing but love and appreciation for you from uh, from ourselves, the whole KDD Media Company team, as well as uh, 5150 Live the Madness and the Carlos Vieira Foundation, all the work and support you guys are doing. So thank you.
3: Much love, people. Thank you so much.
2: And on that note, hey, a positive day, a bright tomorrow. Keep knocking doors down.
0: This podcast contains the views and opinions of the knocking doors down hosts and their guests to the show. The content here should not be taken as medical advice. The content here is for informational purposes only. And because each person is sharing their unique perspective, please consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions, views and opinions expressed in the podcast and website are our own and do not represent that of our places of work. While we make every effort to ensure that the information we are sharing is accurate, we welcome any comments, suggestions, suggestions, or correction of errors. In no way does listening, reading, emailing, or interacting on social media with their content establish a doctor-patient relationship. If you find any errors in any of the content of this podcast or blogs, please send a message through the contact page. This podcast is owned by KDD Media Company.
1: Knocking doors down. Real people, real stories, real life. Real discussions of life struggles, including addiction, relationships, finances, and more. But even more importantly, living with them, overcoming them, and conquering them. Celebrities, experts, and everyday people talk about how they were able to break through whatever life handed them by knocking doors down. New podcast episodes are available every Thursday. Subscribe now on the Apple Podcast app, Google Play, Spotify, iHeartRadio app, or at kddmediacompany.com.